Hey, hey, everybody, Hunter Otis here, and welcome to episode one of the Becoming Porn Free podcast, where we help guys quit porn and become men. Today, I'm getting raw and real with you. I'm pulling out the stops, and I'm actually sharing my own personal story with you, the good, the bad, the ugly, the impact of my own intense pornography habit, the impact of dishonesty on my marriage, and so much more. I'm just going to be sharing it all with you. As uncomfortable and vulnerable as that is, I think it's very, very important that I do this. Um, to preface this, though, I've literally written all of this out so that we don't skip anything and that I can be very concise in what I share with you. I've distilled this down to make this as succinct as possible. I want to give you as many details as I can and as many gold nuggets along the way because I want you to truly learn from my mistakes. Okay, that's the whole point of this. I want to show you what I went through in hopes of shining the light on your situation. And my hope is today that you can really get a ton of value. I'm not holding anything back in this episode. So please listen to the end because there's so many things all the way through the end that I just really, really want to share with you. But again, I think it's very important that I share the truth of my story with you for a few reasons. The first reason is trust. Okay, by being vulnerable with you, we can begin to form a connection of trust right here. I want you to know that I've been in the dark places. Okay, you're not going to get some sanitized textbook information here on the show that you could find and read in a book somewhere, right? You're going to get the real me. You're going to get real world insights and real solutions to your struggles. Second, I want you to see that there's hope. Many of you feel that you've tried everything to quit porn, yet you've returned back to it time and time again. I get it. As you, as you will soon find out, that was my story. Okay, until I discovered what I'll share with you today and also in future episodes. And third, I want you to understand the passion and commitment that I have in setting men free. I feel my story is necessary for that. I have a calling tucked deep in my soul to be a builder of men and to lead men out of the captivity of compulsive porn use. Together, we are creating a movement of men that are leading their families and our culture in the reclamation of true masculinity and personal power. With that in mind, again, I appreciate you for being here as I share my truth with you. I hope that this and future episodes can benefit you for years to come. As a quick intro before we dive in, I am married to my wife, Nicole, going on 12 years. We have three beautiful children, and although we are from Minnesota, we are currently living on our homestead in the Ozark Mountains in South Central Missouri. My wife is a marriage and family therapist. She's also a certified sex addiction therapist, or CSAT, and is also a certified brain spotting therapist, which is a form of acute trauma therapy. Nicole has had a private practice since 2009, and that's before we were married. I'm a certified and trained coach. I've been helping men eliminate porn from their lives since 2017. My biggest qualifier being my own personal battle with overcoming porn and dishonesty, which we will get into right now. I grew up in a Christian home and was the youngest of four boys. I won't get too much into the nitty gritty of childhood, etc., but addiction runs in the family. I had a parent that had severe mental and emotional, physical health issues. Okay. I also had health issues of my own. Financial struggle was also a big theme of my childhood. And there was a tremendous amount of stress and fear in the home. Maybe you can relate. Sexual shame was big as well in our family and culture. The only time sexual things were discussed was when you or someone else was in trouble for it, right? Or when you were told what you shouldn't do. So I came out of childhood with a lot of emotional trauma and internalized shame, just deep, deep, deep internalized shame. In spite of all that, though, I can say that I grew up knowing my parents loved me in spite of it all, in spite of their weaknesses, and also that God loved me. Unfortunately, though, for me, and you can probably relate, I had no coping skills. 
And due to my experiences, I had a really difficult time allowing that truth that God loved me to fully land in my heart. And that difficulty really took hold when I was first exposed to pornography as a nine-year-old. Guys, I was so innocent. We didn't discuss sexual things at home. And some of my friends at school one day were talking about sex and many things that I just didn't understand. I just remember like my face flushing and feeling icky inside about it when they were talking about it, like it was bad uh, that they were talking about it, right? Later that night, my parents were gone, my brothers were outside, and I was alone on our old Apple computer. I decided to type in some of those keywords I was curious about into the web browser. Again, I was so innocent. I literally couldn't comprehend what I was seeing. Like when the realization finally hit me minutes later, what I was looking at, I was devastated, absolutely devastated. I panicked, I shut down the computer, and I literally ran to the corner of the room, knelt down and prayed to God with all my heart, my my nine-year-old little heart, that he would forgive me. I was beside myself just all night long. I told my brothers what happened, and I cried until my parents returned. And I can see now that my parents truly just had no clue what to do. I don't remember any discussion about it or sharing why I had been curious and looked. I wasn't asked, right? I was basically just grounded for a few weeks and told not to do it again. And that was that. For weeks, I had difficulty sleeping. As a nine-year-old, as a nine-year-old, I carried around a mountain of shame with me. And I played in my head over and over what I saw and what a bad kid I was. It's really crushing thinking back, right? My oldest daughter is now 10. I can't imagine my kids going through that. No nine-year-old should have to feel like that. But that, at the time, you know, I didn't have anyone I could talk to. And to my parents' credit, they just simply didn't know how to handle it, right? They didn't know how to talk about it. And here's the first important thing that we all need to understand. Okay, the internet was new. Fast forward now 25 or so years later, the internet and the technology we now enjoy is still new. Our brains are not naturally equipped to deal with modern day pornography. Our parents weren't taught how to handle it. We weren't taught how to handle it. And now many are watching helplessly as their children today become victim to it. And I say this because I have a lot of grace for my parents. Okay, they had their own problems they were facing and no one was prepared for this. Then moving into my teenage years, more exposures to pornography happened to me, and eventually I began secretly seeking it out. Because of that shame I told you about, I would avoid doing anything external for which I could risk getting caught, Okay, like drinking, smoking, drugs, etc. Those things, they were just basically not even a thought or an option for me. But the pornography, I could keep a secret. And when I viewed it, I got relief from all the emotional pain I was feeling, the anxiety, the panic attacks loneliness, fear, shame, etc. I wasn't a bad kid, even though that's what I told myself. I was just a kid in a lot of pain, trying to find a way to survive and cope with my difficult experiences and emotions. The next thing you need to understand is that our brains are designed to do three significant things. One is seek out pleasure. Two is avoid pain. And three is to do those two things as efficiently as possible. Okay, as a teen, even though pornography was outside of my moral blueprint, my brain and body knew that it was very pleasurable, it numbed the pain, and that it was easy to do. And no one needed to know about it, right? I finally felt that I had something reliable that I could turn to to cope with my reality. You can see how dangerous this is for a young person with no coping mechanisms, right? Pornography became my secret friend. It gave me, or thought it gave me, 
the validation and attention I was starving for. It told me, or I felt it was telling me that I was good enough, even though I felt I wasn't good enough for anyone in real life. But it also confirmed a false identity that I was very bad and very shameful. And if anyone knew the truth about me, they'd abandon me. This made participating in my religion very difficult. You know, the first time anyone ever discussed masturbation with me, for example, was when I was 12 years old being interviewed uh, for worthiness by a church leader for my progression into the priesthood. I remember him asking me if I struggled with masturbation, right? And I knew I did, but I was so embarrassed that my face just turned beet red and I, and I told him no. I had never spoken one-on-one -on -one with this man before. And I had never talked about my own sexuality with anyone before. All I knew is it wasn't safe to talk about it at home. And so it wasn't safe to talk about it with him. And so I lied. And that guilt and shame, look, you guys can just see, like, I was such a good kid. I felt so bad anytime I did anything wrong. The guilt and shame ate me alive. And again, I have grace for my young self here. This is the conversation that honestly, it should have never happened. Right? A grown man that isn't a child's parent should not be asking a 12-year-old boy about his masturbation habits, right? Plain and simple. Now, to be clear, this was a good man. He truly meant no harm. But my hope is that today, leaders can become more informed and just simply do better. This further damaged my spiritual relationship with God. Even though in my heart, I knew that God loved me, I started to believe that he was ashamed of me and that if I continued down this path, that I would be lost forever. My teenage years became consumed by this resist-react cycle. This is where you use all your willpower to resist a behavior like masturbation or viewing pornography only for that willpower to run out and then you give in over and over and over again. If this sounds familiar, something you need to understand is that every time you gave in, your identity took a hit. Your subconscious said, yep, see, we knew you were a worthless sack. We knew you weren't strong enough. You can't control yourself. You're never going to overcome this and you're never going to be good enough. Or you can insert whatever it was for you personally. This is extremely problematic for a developing young adult. Why? Because you then carry these beliefs with heaps and mounds of faulty data confirming them to be true straight into adulthood. And what do you think happens as a result of that? Well, I'll tell you what happened for me. The summer after high school, would change my life forever. That summer, I met my wife, Nicole. I went to a church congregation for young single adults, and I remember the first time I saw her. Let's just say that uh, I thought she was very attractive. <laughs> I remember my oldest brother, Jason. I asked him how old Nicole was, and he said, oh, I don't know, 28 or 29, and I was super bummed. I was 18 years old, so the idea of pursuing Nicole went right out the window. Later, I found out that she had had the same exact experience with me. She thought that I was cute, but then found out that I had just graduated high school. So I still wonder to this day how she found me attractive back then. And I definitely believe in miracles. But even though we had an 11 year age difference and dating was off the table at the time, Nicole and I very quickly became great friends. We spent a ton of time together. We planned church activities, we served together, we traveled together. And a year later, we realized we were in love and just like that, we started officially dating. A few months before we began dating, my desire for pornography disappeared. Nicole inspired me. She made me want to be the best version of myself. We also, unfortunately, had a lot of family members against our relationship due to our age difference. That's all water under the bridge now. 
but at the time I had something to fight for. So my relationship and who I wanted to become became my full focus. Pornography, it just wasn't even a thought. And I can now see that I was also flooded with loads of dopamine and validation from the relationship, right? So there was no need for my other coping mechanism at the time. And as a result, I thought pornography was a thing of the past. Also, six months later, I left for California for a two-year mission for my church. I missed Nicole terribly, but we ended up writing letters back and forth throughout the two years. And I was very dedicated to my mission and kept myself busy with the work of sharing the gospel. Those two years went by without pornography. And again, I thought I was free forever. I returned home in October of 2012. And in less than a week, Nicole and I were engaged. And six weeks after that, we were married. And three weeks after that, we were pregnant with our first child. What a rush, right? This was such an exhilarating time, but it was also extremely difficult for me. I spent two years becoming a disciplined disciple that shared the gospel 24-7. And overnight, I returned home, my badge was removed, and I had to completely rediscover who I was. Suddenly, I was a husband and soon to be a father, and I experienced a bit of emotional and identity whiplash. All of these things brought out a ton of insecurities in me. So here I was, a returned missionary, right, with zero college education, no job, no identity, no confidence for the next phase of my life. And my wife bought her own wedding ring, bought me my first car, had a master's degree and a career as a marriage and family therapist, a house, financial skills, and like so much more, right? I was depressed. I, it was cold and dark in Minnesota. I remember just coming home and freezing my butt off. Uh, a stark contrast from sunny Southern California, right? And during the time that should have been the happiest new beginning, I was struggling. And then I was handed a smartphone. Uh-oh. With that being said, I could probably just stop the episode right here, right? But let's keep going. I ended up viewing pornography again on this handy little video portal we now carry with us everywhere we go. And I was devastated. I thought pornography was never going to be an issue again. Yet here I was. So what did I do? Well, I immediately went and talked to my bishop or my church leader about it. I told him that I had struggled with this as a teenager, but that this isn't who I am. This isn't how I want to behave. And I'm telling him now so I can make sure I change my trajectory and never do it again. I was proud of myself, right, for coming forward right away. And he and I both agreed that I should tell Nicole as well. So I did. She was a bit hurt, but grateful that I was honest, right? And we moved right on. However, neither of us knew the depth and scope of the actual problem that I had. About six months later, I viewed it again. But this time, I was so ashamed that it went underground. I felt that I couldn't tell Nicole, right? This is all an illusion, but how could I, right? I had already told her that I would never do this again, yet here I was. I was terrified of what she might think of me. My ego was just super fragile. But had I been honest then, I would have realized that Nicole was there to stay and I could have gotten help. Instead, a year went by, two years, three years. We added one, two, and then three kids to our family and I couldn't stop looking. The guilt and shame continued to grow. The pain of that and the weight of responsibility in life drove me to use it more. And I felt completely trapped, completely trapped. I was desperate to get rid of this tremendous pain that was building up inside. I wanted to throw my phone away, smash my computer and get help. But in order to do that, I would have to come clean and tell the truth, right? But what if my wife abandoned me? What would she think about me? How would she react? What if my marriage would end? In spite of all that, I decided to go to therapy. My wife had no idea I was struggling with porn, but as a therapist, she was very supportive of me getting help with depression, anxiety, et cetera, right? So she encouraged it. 
I went to a psychologist, a man who had a PhD and was well-known. And, you know, I thought for sure he could help me with the training and education that he had. Yet after I explained how much pain I was in and how badly I wanted to stop viewing pornography, he asked me, well, Hunter, does it stop you from doing your day-to-day responsibilities? Does it stop you from going to work? Well, no, I said, but I'm miserable. I feel like it's stealing my potential and this doesn't align with who I believe I am. And he just responded by saying, well, Hunter, to me, it just sounds like you have a functional porn use. And I felt gut punched. Like, did he listen to a word I just said? Right here, I just got super vulnerable. I spilled my guts for the first time ever, cried about the pain I was in to a stranger. And this man was basically telling me that there wasn't anything wrong. In fact, after that session, I called to schedule another appointment and he sent me an email in return and just told me not to reschedule. Boy, did I feel more alone than ever. This, this really sucked. I just remember this moment. It really sucked. But guys, I carried on. Many of you listening to this have had poor or subpar experiences with mental health professionals. I just, I just want you to know that you're not alone in that. You know, the truth is many professionals, they're not qualified to help you with your specific issues. And many that are qualified on paper simply aren't helpful in reality. Now, to be clear, there are many that do incredible work, okay? But I've just found that when it comes to difficult compulsive behaviors, the good professionals are few and far between, or they have waiting lists a mile long. Now, fast forward to 2015. I was out in California training for a new sales job, and I had a near-death experience. The full details need an episode of their own, right? But I broke my neck swimming in the ocean. It was a very dangerous break. And guys, my life literally flashed before my eyes when it happened. I'm not kidding. This actually happens. At the time, my porn use was still a secret. My oldest was two. Our middle daughter was nine months old. The youngest hadn't been born yet. In my mind's eye, I literally saw everything that I was and everything that I wasn't. It's, I can't even describe it fully. Like it was truly an incredible experience, but I felt just this deep, deep regret as everything around me was going in slow motion after breaking my neck. I felt this deep, deep regret that I could leave my girls behind without a father. And at the time of my passing, I wasn't living up to the man that I knew I was capable of being. Like I still feel emotion when I say this out loud. It was just such a powerful experience. At the time, it just hit me like a two by four between the eyes that I was full of dishonesty instead of integrity. I didn't die. There were angels with me in person and in spirit that day that I believe protected me. I literally heard a voice that told me to get up and get out of the water. There's another wave coming. And I obeyed in spite of the pain. I forced myself up and I stumbled out of the water as that next wave hit me and almost knocked me over. That voice saved my life and more. Again, I'll need to do a full episode on this experience, but this moment, it changed me. Months of recovery for my neck injury ensued and my walls around my secret world started to crack and crumble. The following spring, my wife could sense that something was wrong. She started asking me more questions and my lies started to break and one partial truth at a time, Nicole figured it out. And she was so hurt, you guys. What was worse than the pornography, though, was the lies. She wondered if she ever fully knew me. She wondered how I could look her in the eyes and with a straight face, tell her that I wasn't viewing porn time and time again. Many people call this D-Day or Discovery Day. Guys, dishonesty in a relationship, it's so destabilizing and disorganizing. Unfortunately, this would only be the first of many D-Days for us. Trust is paramount to the success of any 
relationship. The truth is that each and every one of us is capable of reprehensible, terrible things. Trust is the thing that keeps society and relationships together. Trust is what transforms you from a potential bed of snakes loaded with disaster into someone your partner feels safe and secure with. I compare trust to to a bank account, right? The smallest withdrawal is a million dollars and the largest deposit is one penny. Trust can be destroyed in an instant and it can take years of effort to restore. My trust account went hardcore into the negative digits because of the discovery of my porn habit. It revealed another devastating truth that I was also a compulsive liar. Hard to admit. And yet another wonderful coping mechanism that changed me or chased me, excuse me, into adulthood. The delusion that played through my mind over and over was that telling the truth wasn't worth it. That it would cause more harm than good. That Nicole couldn't handle it and that I needed to protect her. In all reality, I was the one that couldn't handle it. Again, I have compassion on my young self. As a kid, you know, you don't have power and control. You don't have resources. You don't have options. I lied to protect myself from harm. My young, fragile ego couldn't handle the attack I'd receive at home because of the truth. It truly wasn't a safe environment for honesty. But I wasn't a kid anymore. And I was stuck now as an entitled victim. And instead of taking ownership, I began blaming, gaslighting, resenting, and fearing my wife. Now, is Nicole a perfect human being? No. No, we all have flaws. But did she deserve any of this? Absolutely not. She is the most incredible person that I know. Her depth of character amazes me. And I attribute her perseverance and faith to my successes in all aspects of my life. She's an absolute rock. And I will love her forever for that. What she deserved was honesty in return for her choosing integrity over and over in our relationship. Yet I kept choosing to give her lies. When we are withholding information from our partners, what we're actually doing is holding them hostage. We're keeping important information from them and robbing them of choice. They deserve to know what they're involved with and they have the right to decide whether to stay or go. Obviously, we're terrified of them leaving, but being deceitful, manipulative, and controlling is no way to live. It just destroys everything you're trying to preserve anyway. It brings the opposite of what you're actually wanting. I was then caught on this roller coaster of resist, react, give in, confess or get caught, repent and repeat. It was just absolutely brutal. I would act out and if I didn't come forward as quickly as possible, by the end of the day, I would just start to lose it. That shame would build up, right? And I would start withholding information. And when I did come forward, I would often minimize my behaviors as well and play the victim causing even more harm. I would base my emotional state on my wife's emotional state. If she was happy, I was happy. If she was upset, I was broken. If she was depressed, I would then try to fix her. And I relied on internet blockers and filters, external accountability, anxiety and ADD meds, venting in therapy sessions and willpower to abstain. Now, to be clear, not everything I did here was all bad. I made many important discoveries about myself, like in therapy, for example. In fact, I even started getting into some patterns of sobriety and things in our relationship were improving. But I can say, looking back, that my core identity, it was still shrouded in shame. In spite of that, I really started to have some hope. Also, at this point in my career, I was needing a change. After being a missionary and a personal trainer, I decided I want to get back 
into coaching. At this time, I was just running a sales job. Like I mentioned before, I've always felt it in my heart that I was meant to help people. In fact, I believe that all of the pain I've experienced is what allows me to have deep empathy and understanding for people. For several months, I tried my hand at sales coaching, and at the time, it just didn't land. You know, I was a good salesman, but I wasn't yet in a place to coach other professionals. I just wasn't there. So with the help of a mentor, Nicole and I were praying about what to do. And one night as Nicole and I were laying in bed looking at the ceiling, she said, what if we help people overcome porn addiction? In that moment, something ignited in me that I cannot describe, a bonfire of purpose. Surprisingly, I had had the thought come to me before, but I completely pushed it out of my head because I thought there was just no way I could do that. That that would mean that I'd have to tell the world about my own struggle. Like That terrified me. Also, what if I fell back into my old ways? But when Nicole said it out loud, it was undeniable. This was what we were supposed to do, even in our imperfection. So we took a massive leap of faith and we went for it. Nicole had been helping some clients in her practice with the issue and the success I was having at the time. Excuse me, with sobriety, we felt that we had enough that we could teach people with. I posted my story on Facebook. Yep. I told the world that I was a porn addict. I remember my heart racing and sitting there for like 30 minutes just staring at the screen after writing it out before before posting it, right? When I hit post, I shut my computer ran upstairs and literally I cried. Um, to say that moment took courage is an understatement. In my head, I just like just pictured people with like torches and pitchforks, right? But what happened instead completely shocked me. The post just exploded with likes and comments and practically overnight things took off. And yet again, things in my life got very uncomfortable. Nicole and I recognized all of the holes in our knowledge and expertise. So we went on a quest of education and training. We spent thousands of dollars and hours for Nicole to become a CSAT and a trauma therapist. I took courses on sexual addiction, behavioral techniques, and more. Also, I continued to get therapy for myself and sought to take things to the next level so that I could successfully lead others to freedom. We created a program that had a track for men, a track for women, and a track for couples to complete together. At the time, it felt like creating a freaking dissertation. Um, and we helped a few hundred clients many of whom still message me to this day, sharing their successes of their lives and their relationships. Again, I had another period of time where I truly believed pornography was a thing of the past for me, but the most difficult time of our marriage was still yet to come. I discovered yet again through painful experience just how deeply rooted my own compulsive issues were. And what I'm about to share with you became the next thing that I was terrified to admit. You know, as an employee, life was relatively simple. I was able to figure out sobriety with the tools that I had and the level of stress that I was under. Yet now, I was running a rapidly growing business and was responsible for the mental health of dozens of couples at a time. I had no training on business systems and organization. I started hiring employees and had no clue how to manage them. I was overly critical of myself and everything we had created, wondering if it was good enough, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, I still had a lot of identity work to do. I was stressed, overwhelmed, and I started shutting down. And to make it worse, I was on technology 24-7 and at major risk. Logically, rationally, it makes zero sense that I would return to pornography as I was now helping countless others through it and was seen as the expert, right? Yet your brain doesn't care about logic and rational thought. All my brain knew 
was that I had spent a couple of years in extreme discomfort. It wasn't getting any better. My insecurities and old identity began to emerge and my will began to break. I made a mistake. I saw something pornographic on social media. I lingered, I clicked and scrolled. You know, it should have been simple to just come forward, own it and move on. But I had this unrealistic expectation on myself that I needed to be perfect. And I amplified it 100x and let myself get gripped by fear. My routine check-in where I share my internal world with my wife came and it went. I didn't disclose the truth. I chose fear over the truth. And that imposter syndrome hit me hard, hit me like a ton of bricks, you guys. At the time, I didn't know how to reconcile with what was going on. I continued to give my clients the right answers for them. But each time I did, it was a dagger in my heart that I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. My acting out started to escalate and I continued to withhold. I got caught in the mental lie again that I was trapped. And this was nothing new, right? This is exactly what I had, ex I had experienced before and exactly what I was helping my clients break free from, right? The answer was honesty, but again, I was supposed to be different, right? I was holding myself to this higher standard all the time. I was so compassionate and encouraging when my clients made a mistake, but I couldn't extend the same compassion and grace to my own imperfect self. So how do you learn to move on when you're supposed to already have all the answers, right? I was afraid to admit my weakness because it could mean that everything I had built was a house of cards. I couldn't let all of these people down or so I told myself, right? My identity was wrapped up in what I was doing and this need to be perfect rather than who I was as an individual. My ego was in the way, right? The truth is we're all imperfect. We all make mistakes, but I was putting everything else above my own mental health and relationship yet again in this moment. And then the day came when Nicole, full of intuition, like usual, asked me what was going on. She could always tell, right, when something was wrong. And so I told her, I'm grateful I did. But you need to understand that this pattern of withholding, lying for weeks or months or even years had happened so many times that the collateral damage was immense. After discovery, you know, I would typically tell her all of my plans and actions that I would take to find that next golden solution that would fix me only to give her hope and then smash it down again by giving into temptation and then lying and covering it up, right? The dishonesty. Also in the midst of acting out, I had hired an employee. I'd taken bigger financial risks in the business and more, which just made this that much more intense. Right? I can't even honestly begin to share all of the details here in this situation and the years leading up to it to help you fully understand why this was so hard for her. For a partner that is healing from betrayal, moments like this bring all of the past traumas raging back up to the surface. Like it reopens all of the old wounds, right? Her trust was shattered once again, and she was left having to figure out how to pick up all the broken pieces again. As a result, she decided she couldn't run the business with me anymore. She asked for a temporary separation as well while she figured out what she needed to move forward. This time, although she wasn't yet certain, she was pretty sure that she didn't want to continue our marriage. She'd had enough. And in total despair, I kept asking, why? Why, God? Why me? Why this? I've tried so hard to do the right things. I love my wife. My intentions are good. My desire to help others is real. I want my relationship to improve. So why did I lie? Why didn't I just tell the truth? 
Why is it that I can help others, but apparently not myself? I needed answers. So I stayed with some friends and had to surrender my wife over to God. I had no idea what she was going to choose. Right? She was in the thick of betrayal, and she could hardly stand my presence. As painful as it was, I had a commitment to my clients to see them through the program. I stopped taking new clients. I let go of the employees, but I still ran coaching calls. I saw my clients through to the end. That was the right thing to do. But over time, I let the business go. Again, even though my clients were doing well, I could not in good conscience continue. The pain and stress was higher than ever. And that resist react cycle was fully revived. I was half living at home, half living with my friends. Everything was chaotic. Nothing was going, uh, nothing I was doing, excuse me, was helping the relationship. And now I had extreme financial stress to deal with. At this time, I basically spent my last $12,000 on a two week inpatient treatment center. This was basically my last ditch effort to get help, right? It was truly a great experience. And we did loads of deep trauma work. I learned a ton. Yet when I returned home, I viewed pornography the very next day and got caught doing it. Guys, this was my new all-time low, truly my rock bottom. These were days of very, very dark thoughts. Like, how was I back in this place? Right? It just didn't seem real. It was like living in a bad dream. I was having nightmares over and over of just losing everything. And then there were two miracles that happened throughout this time that changed my life. The first was the presence of my best friend. He was there for me through it all. Even he didn't understand what I was feeling. I remember times telling him what I was feeling and he'd just look at me like, I don't know about any of that, man. <laughs> uh, I can laugh about it now, but he listened and spent countless hours with me. He taught me new ways of thinking that were foreign to me. He showed me what it looks like to live life without anxiety being the primary driving force in one's life. And he taught me skills and showed me that I was far more capable than I realized. He helped me to stand up tall and put my shoulders back during the darkest time of my life. And because of this, I put myself out there. I landed a sales opportunity that changed our lives financially. Not only was I then making like 20 to 30 grand per month or more, the man I was working with uh, is an expert at team management and business systems, which were the exact skills I was lacking in my business. What a gift, right? What a gift. The other miracle was my dear wife, she prayed fervently to God to know what to do regarding our relationship. She was so hurt. She felt so alone. And God spoke to her and told her to stay by my side. She had every reason to leave, and I wouldn't have blamed her for it. But with God's help, she stayed. Now, God had nothing to do with my choices to lie. None of that was anyone's choice but my own. But God sees the end from the beginning. And he uses our tragedies as opportunities. And although it would be a few years, I believe God used this moment to teach me the missing pieces that I would need yet again to help the world. Eventually, I returned to living at home. I was sleeping in the basement. And then that good old pandemic hit. I was still struggling with porn and honesty, but the state of the world put my issues on the back burner. Our oldest was in kindergarten at the time. With the, with the other two in preschool, we decided to unenroll them completely from public school and we became homeschoolers. Nicole's practice switched to telehealth and we realized that since we worked remote and homeschooled the kids, we were free to go wherever we wanted. So where would we go? And again, more stories for another time. But a few months later, we found ourselves moving to Southeast Idaho. We felt it was where it, that we needed to be. And to be frank, the time we spent there was magical. We loved it. Our neighborhood was incredible. Our home was gorgeous. 
the homeschooling community was out of this world and the people there just treated us truly like family. And although my job was stressful at times, there was so much light in our life and this helped us tremendously at the time. Now my new bishop or church leader in Idaho, he also had a massive impact on me. He was of the stance that pornography was not an addiction, that it was simply a coping mechanism and that I needed to get rid of this forbiddenness around it. He said, Hunter, you can look at porn if you want to. You're a grown adult. That's your choice. And it took me a while to process that, right? I had built up such a powerful pattern of resistance and repulsion in my mind towards porn and had convinced myself that I had a permanent brain disease, only to have this man tell me the opposite of everything I thought I believed. So I let go. I let go of everything I thought I knew. I realized that everything I had learned obviously wasn't working for me, right? Even though it worked for many others. So what hurt would it do to let go of it? So I surrendered and my eyes were opened. I realized that my identity was completely intertwined with my behaviors. I believed I was an addict and would always be an addict. Therefore, I was supposed to behave like an addict. I learned that my actions were simply confirming internal beliefs about myself nothing more. I believed I couldn't change, couldn't handle my emotions, couldn't be honest, that I would always screw it up and that I wasn't worthy of happiness. Sure, I could accomplish a lot of great things, but happiness was out of my reach. I believed I was broken, permanently damaged goods, and my behaviors always realigned with those beliefs over time, right? Periods of sobriety, bam, realignment to the internal beliefs. But when my bishop said that porn wasn't an addiction, this meant that these beliefs I was harboring about myself weren't true, that I had a false identity. And so I started burning that identity to the ground. Now, to be clear, I am not an addiction denier, okay? I personally do not care if someone calls it an addiction or if they choose a habit, a compulsive behavior, take your pick, okay? I just refuse to subscribe to the belief that this is a permanent brain disease and that you're stuck with this forever. I completely reject that. For me personally, referring to myself as an addict and admitting my powerlessness over and over again was extremely detrimental because of the weight that it had on my identity. For some, it's helpful to say, okay, I have an addiction, therefore I need to make sure I get the proper treatment and self-care on a daily basis, right? Okay, if that's you, fantastic. But that wasn't me. <laughs> that was not me. I have found that this label is helpful for some, but unhelpful for most. By rejecting this false identity and seeing myself truly as a son of God, a being of unlimited potential and capable of transformation, I was able to begin to craft a new identity, an identity anchored in compassion and grace in honesty and personal power. I began to connect to God in ways that I never had before. I began to see myself through his eyes. I learned that there was no need to continue to punish myself over and over and over again for my past mistakes. He already paid the price for those mistakes. What he wanted from me instead was to humble myself, to grieve the fact that frankly, I deserve justice, yet that justice, the price of that was being covered for me. What he wanted was for me to accept that gift and to choose hope, forgiveness, compassion, and forward progression. <clears throat> he wanted me to admit that I was simply trying to survive. I was operating with limited resources and understanding. 
My behaviors, sure, had been bad, but I was not a bad person. And those behaviors had no, bear, no bearing on my true identity. I felt a promise in my heart that as I crafted a new identity, that the skills, tools, and daily practices to heal my brain and move forward would be given to me. And they were. They were. Suddenly, all the pieces started coming together. Truths that seemed elusive began to arrive in my life. I stopped relying on external solutions to control my behaviors like internet blockers and daily accountability. I realized that I needed to go deeper. I determined that everything I did needed to actually reach my heart and transform my identity and help me actively rewire my brain on a day-to-day basis. If it was merely to just help me vent the emotions or control my behavior, it wasn't good enough for me and it didn't make the cut. I had tried all that before, right? Now, it was tough. At first, my porn viewing got worse as I removed all the restrictions on myself. But as I stopped controlling all the time and continued to surrender to the new me, to the truth, I was able to find deep, meaningful motivators instead of staying rooted in shame. And everything started to get easier. Now, it took time, but it truly started to get easier. By letting go of the old and recalibrating what I was searching for, I began to create for myself an active step-by-step process that would help me quit porn, transform my identity, and help me become the man I've always known I was capable of becoming. Now, these things have since become the four pillars that I teach men in our Porn Free for Life program. What's so cool about this is that although everyone's timeline for fully quitting porn, meaning you no longer look at it all, look at it at all, right? Even though that timeline's different, the skills required to quit porn can be learned and mastered in 90 days or less. From there, overcoming porn, it's just a matter of time and practice, perseverance, right? And here's why this works so freaking well. I have many guys come to me after doing years and years of therapy, yet they still feel completely stuck, right? This was me. But why is this? Usually it's because what they're doing is a passive strategy. Okay, you go talk to a therapist, you vent out all the pain, feel like you've made some major emotional breakthroughs, but then you leave the session, the pain builds up, a trigger happens in real time, you act out and you feel like nothing has changed, right? This is because you need active strategies, which are things you can do in real time, in real life, in the moment that things are difficult. Outside of the session, right, to help you choose your new identity, over old regressed behaviors. I discovered that my past approach was very behaviorally focused and not enough focus on that identity. You need both and you need those active strategies. Otherwise you end up relying on external controls rather than creating deep and meaningful internal change. You need to then proactively practice these things so that when the hard times come up, you know what to do. You don't have to be afraid. And if you make a mistake, you learn from it. You get back up and you try again instead of believing that you're a failure. It's like practicing a musical instrument, right? Or working out in the gym. At first, it feels difficult. You feel sick to your stomach, right? Hit the gym too hard. You feel like you want to vomit. But with practice, you get better and better and better. You need to treat overcoming porn and creating a new identity this exact same way. It is a skill that can be nurtured and learned. This requires patience, perseverance, resilience, and grace. Yes, but these are all things I help guys learn along the way. The first pillar I call the shame-free paradigm, okay, which is centered around finding a deep, compelling reason to get back up when you make mistakes. Inevitably, you will make mistakes along the way. That's normal. And this is a commitment to no longer letting shame control you and cause you to throw in the towel. Many guys say that the reason they want to quit 
is because they want to save their relationships. Okay. Although there's nothing wrong with that. And it's a great place to start. If this motivation is rooted in shame, it's not going to work for you long-term. You've got to go deeper. And for this, I like to use the five whys. So what you do is you ask yourself, why do I want to quit porn? Okay. Plain and simple. Then go ahead and write down your answer. If your answer is, for example, because I want to be a better husband and father. Okay. Write that down. And then again, ask why, why do I want to become a better husband and father? Write your next answer down and do it again. Do this five times and you'll be surprised at what you discover. Just remember you're trying to get to your heart and soul, internal motivation versus external motivation. Surface level isn't good enough and, and it will not see you through to the end. So let your heart emerge here. The second pillar I call building resilience. When someone struggles with a compulsive porn habit, the first thing to, to go out the window is any kind of self-care. Overcoming porn is a massive mind game, okay? And just like what Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. This was so true for me. The moment you get tired, bam, things get real tough. So if overcoming porn is a skill that can be learned, then you need the mental and physical fortitude to show up to practice and on game day ready to win. So if you're constantly staying up late, eating crappy food, binge watching Netflix, never praying, connecting with God, and never going outside, et cetera, okay, your physical, mental, and emotional resiliency, it's going to be real low, real low. And your chances of showing up as a functional adult that has all the faculties about him to face this intense challenge, they will plummet, okay? You're going to give in, plain and simple. So here we learn to cope with and process our emotions so they no longer control us. We implement small and simple yet powerful daily and weekly practices that fill you with life and build you up instead of tear you down. Guys, you're going to find that your adaptive self, that wounded child that used porn as a method of survival, he's going to come up over and over and over again trying to convince you to take the easy way out. It's up to you now to come in as the healthy, functional adult that you now are and no longer allow that immature part of you to run the show. Again, I, I show you how to do this effectively. But this is absolutely critical. And the third pillar then is called reconditioning your brain. Your brain has been conditioned to desire, seek out, and view porn as a blanket cure-all for all your life struggles, right? Urges to view seemingly arise at every turn because, because of this. And it can feel very overwhelming. But guys, your brain can change. If you remember the story of Pavlov and his dogs, Pavlov trained his dogs to salivate at the sound of a bell. He'd give them a treat and ring the bell over and over until their brains associated the bell with the getting of the treat. This is called classic conditioning, okay? Our brains work the same way. If you sit down in the bathroom, for example, and then give yourself porn over and over, your brain will associate going to the bathroom with getting porn. Now, every time you go to the bathroom and shut the door, the temptation to pull out that smartphone hits hard. Okay, the same thing can happen with emotional reactions. Whenever you feel anxious, depressed, et cetera, and you turn to porn, well, guess what? Every time you feel that emotion, bam, you're going to feel an urge to go and view pornography. However, this conditioning can be reversed, okay? This part of Pavlov's story is often left out, but Pavlov was able to reverse the conditioning in his dogs. He did this by ringing the bell and not giving them the treat. They were irritated, annoyed, barking in frustration, but over time, they stopped associating the bell with the getting of the reward. And this is called deconditioning. Now, we aren't dogs, okay? So it can be a bit more complicated, but I found for myself that if I could experience an urge 
And instead of running from it, shutting it down, keeping myself distracted or giving in, right? If I could choose to sit with it, allow myself to feel it and get really good at breaking or breathing through that discomfort and not acting on it, right? Then my urges began to disappear. You see, when your brain realizes that it's no longer going to get the reward in response to the urge, it stops trying. Now, the urge can then come up in other areas of your life, right, that you aren't used to, but then you use the same approach for the next urge and the next and the next until the landmines in your life are removed and you no longer fear the urge because you know how to handle them. Okay, this is easier said than done, I know, but this is the skill I teach you to master. Instead of counting how many days you've gone without looking at porn, we track how many urges you've successfully processed, meaning you didn't act on them. We let go of the failures and we focus on successfully processing that next urge. So there is no starting over at zero. The fourth and final pillar, which is really the cornerstone of it all, is called creating a new life. This is the identity and belief work that I started with. It's impossible, guys, to hit a target that you aren't aiming for. If you're waiting until that magical day that you'll suddenly have high self-esteem and iron will and that overcoming porn will be easier, sorry to say it, but you're delusional, okay? It never just happens to you. You consciously and intentionally create your life that way through daily practice and mastery of a, of a specific skill set. You have to start wherever you are right now. It doesn't get easier. I know that sucks to hear, but you've got to start wherever you are right now. What that means is you have to take personal responsibility for your life. Many of, of us avoid that for years, some their entire lives, because it means we have to face all the crap that we don't like. We have to admit our faults. We have to expose our weaknesses. We have to let go of the entitled victim. Looking at the truth can be very disorganizing and painful at first, but I promise you that when you observe your reality, when you understand fully what you believe and why you behave the way you behave. You receive clarity, compassion, and grace for yourself. Then you can create the ideal picture of your future. Let go of the past and focus each day on creating that new life into your reality. We feel the greatest fulfillment and joy in life when we are actively striving after and achieving meaningful goals. We will endure great pain, anxiety, stress, and fear when we know that what we are striving for is worthwhile. We will make integrity-based decisions even through difficult times when we are connected to that ideal vision. I teach you how to create and look to that ideal future and new identity as your guiding North Star. I teach you how to reconnect to it quickly if you have a moment of weakness and deviate from the path so that you do not do what I did in the past. And when you create this vision of yourself properly, all of your effort towards overcoming your urges, building resilience, taking good care of yourself and getting up when you make mistakes, all of that data comes in and lands in your heart and confirms this new version of you to be true. Instead of constantly confirming that you're worthless and rejecting anything positive, we flip the script, confirming the new you, that you can change, that you will change, and that it's happening right now. Really, this is the principle of faith, right? When you exercise faith or believe that something is possible, you open your eyes and your heart to new ideas. Your brain is designed to filter out 95% of what you see in here. It has to do this. Otherwise, you'll be overloaded with data. Right? Your brain can only handle and process so much information in a day. But your beliefs determine what gets filtered out and what remains. So we use the data that remains 
to confirm our beliefs. And so you can see how we can get caught on a destructive feedback loop if those beliefs are faulty and we're cherry picking all the crappy data out all the time. Right? But on the flip side, when you install new beliefs, you can start gathering real data from your life that confirms these positive beliefs to be true and you can reject that false data. The truth is you always find what you're looking for. Okay, So you have to decide what it is about yourself that you want to confirm. Do you want to confirm that you're a worthless sack of garbage, that you're never going to change? Okay, if so, you'll find data to confirm it all around you. In fact, you'll choose to disconnect, right? Disconnect from that ideal vision. You'll go and look at porn and create the negative data yourself, just like I used to. You go look at porn and say, yep, see, it must be fate. I'm stuck with this forever. Well, you created that data. But on the other side, do you want to confirm that change is possible, that the answers can be discovered? that you're worthy of love, and that your weaknesses can be made strengths? If so, you'll seek out and find that data around you to confirm these things as well, right? It truly is your choice. So I challenge you to believe again. Let go of the faulty data. Stop believing all the BS thoughts that go through your head. Guys, beliefs are just thoughts that you repeat to yourself over and over and over until you believe them to be true fact. So challenge them. Challenge them. And decide what you want to be true instead connect to your vision right these new beliefs will compound and build over time the actions you now take to overcome porn will confirm that new identity and start stacking the deck in your favor and this is how we win on one hand we craft our new identity on the other we consciously take the actions that will confirm that new identity to be true we let ourselves feel it we let it land in our hearts all the while becoming aware of and rejecting the old beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors when they come up. That's not who we are anymore. And this is exactly what I did, you guys. This is exactly what I teach other men to do now. And this is why we say quit porn and become men, true men, authentic men, empowered men, resilient, honest, and full of integrity. Settle for nothing less Recognize when the adaptive, young, immature self shows up. Okay, comfort him the way a parent should comfort a child. Don't reject him. Don't shame him. Comfort him. Tell him that you've got this. You understand why he's freaked out and scared, but that porn isn't going to help anymore. He can calm down and he can let go. Then use the skills and tools to process through those difficult moments. Get support when you need it and choose the higher self. Learn when you falter. Get up, go again. I promise that these things are the secret to the life you've always wanted. I know it because I've lived it. If you're listening to this and are tired of going it alone, join our free men's community. I've got free resources to get you started, countless other men to come that are ready to support you. Okay, come and link arms with them, with guys that are choosing to focus on who they are becoming rather than all the mistakes they've made. Together, we are creating a movement of men. It's us. Right, that are grabbing hold of their true power and potential. We weren't taught how to cope as children. We weren't given the tools and often the love and support or accountability that we needed in order to mature into the men we know deep down and desire to be. Right? So we are giving these things to each other. We're giving them to one another. And we're on track right now to blow past, well past 1,000 men this year with the goal of helping 10,000 and beyond. We are all watching, you guys as our world around us is just coming apart in so many ways. Technology isn't slowing down. Pornography isn't slowing down. 
I think OnlyFans did like over $7 billion in sales last year alone in one year. I mean, it's absolutely insane. It's time for us to stop being armchair quarterbacks, to stop letting shame and fear run the show, and finally do something about our dire situation. I know I can't do this alone. I know you can't do this alone. We need each other to make enough of an impact that our trajectory as individuals and men and as men can change, right? So we are coming together. So come get help for yourself first, of course. Find healing for you and yours and in turn, help others that are lost. That's what this is all about for me. That's why I decided to step up again after so many embarrassing failures. That's why today I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth of what happened. And then a year ago in January, 2023, God spoke to Nicole and I yet again. He told us that it was time to get back on the horse and help men. So here we are. You know, I was nervous. I felt the shame of the past. I remembered the failures and I wondered what people would think about my mistakes. But guys, those, those mistakes, they don't define me. They do not define me. And so to bring this full circle, Overcoming porn is not about being perfect. It's not about having all the answers and never making mistakes. In fact, your mistakes provide the feedback and discomfort you need to make meaningful change, to learn, to grow. So it's about learning from your mistakes. It's about choosing to get back up when you fail. It's about being honest with yourself and the people you love and choosing integrity regardless of the consequences. It's about taking good care of and showing up for yourself and in turn, showing up for those that are around you. It's about getting help when you need it, becoming the man you desire to become and letting go of the shame and the ego that's holding you back. It's about sacrifice. It's about rising up and claiming your birthright and being the leader that you were destined to become. Guys, thank you so much for sticking with me here all the way to the end. Uh, I deeply appreciate you for walking my journey with me. I hope it was helpful for you. Just remember that if you're also struggling with this, you're truly not alone. Feel free to join us on this journey over at school.com slash porn free. That's S-K-O-O-L dot com forward slash P-X-R-N free. We got an X instead of the O. And you can find that link uh, for that right below the video in the description. Join us. I promise you, men can change. We can change. You can change. You don't have an addiction. You have a choice. Take care and let's go be men.